0: Welcome to the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. If you're an entrepreneur driven by your faith or want to be driven by your faith, then you're in the right place. The best way to stay connected is to sign up for our monthly newsletter at faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. This podcast doesn't exist without you, our community. One of the things that the community has asked us for is helping connecting them with like-minded faith-driven investors. We're in the process of launching marketplace a new platform to present your venture and connect with like-minded investors that are serious about honoring God as you are. Everything from philanthropic to market rate deals, from here in the U.S. to emerging markets. Check it out at faithdriveninvestor.org forward slash marketplace. While you're there, please send us any thoughts you have about how this podcast might better serve you or any questions you might have about being a faith-driven entrepreneur.
1: I'm Dave Blanchard from Praxis and it's great to be with you today. I want to speak about designing a different future and the faith-driven entrepreneur's opportunity for redemptive action. Karl Barth once said that the church exists to set up in the world a new sign which is radically dissimilar to the world's own manner and which contradicts it in a way that is full of promise. As an entrepreneur like you, I believe that as founders and builders, we can be full of promise too. See, entrepreneurs can be bold cultural witnesses and our ventures can be demonstrated apologetics. You See, as an entrepreneur goes out into the world, they give an organization culture and meaning and mission. And as that organization touches other stakeholders, those stakeholders build on best practices that ultimately create norms in industries. And as norms go in industry, so goes the broader culture. At Praxis, we've been able to help over 200 ventures around the world, businesses, nonprofits, across every conceivable sector, do work, and advance their missions. And as we've done that, we've developed a new way of thinking about the role of Christians in the world and how they go about doing things. It's called redemptive entrepreneurship. Redemptive is following this pattern of creative restoration through sacrifice. Creative in that we are made in the image of God. Restoration in that we are joining God in the renewal of all things. And sacrifice in the sense that We can't just be out for ourselves, we have to look out for others and put put our neighbor in front of our minds as we go about our work. We have developed a framework for redemptive action that hopefully will be helpful to you in your work as a faith-driven entrepreneur. That basically says that there's three different ways organizations and individuals go out in the world. One is exploitative. These have a model that say, I'm going to win and everyone around me may lose, but I'm going to use the culture for my benefit. The second is ethical. A lot of times seen as the highest bar uh, in our business world today. It says that as long as I do no harm, um, I'm okay and I'm not going to break any rules. And hopefully I can win and you can win too. And ethics really works well inside a just system. But as Christians, we know the world has fallen and we know we need to go beyond ethics. And that's where we can start to talk about the redemptive edge. That edge is where we can renew culture, bless people, and go on the journey that the gospel calls us to in dying to self as leaders. As we die to self, we can then sacrifice so that others around us can win. And when others around us win, we actually all win together because we experience the joy of human flourishing and flourishing just systems. Every organization has kind of three different ways uh, they go out into the world. There's a strategic vision and an operating model and then uh, the intent of the leadership themselves. So let's dig in on each one of those real quickly if we can. First, let's talk about a redemptive strategic vision. As you're building out the direction for your organization and really what it puts out into the world, you need to think about it. Are you leveraging that around you? Are you just advancing, making something more efficient or more productive? Or are you really renewing it? See, we believe that the outputs of the organization, its mission, vision, products, services, programs, brands, narratives, spaces, and all of that can be reimagined to be God-glorifying, humanizing, restorative, truthful, beautiful, and, and really have lasting impact out in the world. But this is, of course, not what we typically see in the pinnacles of entrepreneurship. In fact, of course, one easy example to pick on is Tinder, uh, something I'm sure none of you have ever used, but you might be familiar with. Listen to what Tinder co-founder Sean Rad said. He said, look at what's happening in society. We're living in a technical age. It's creating transparency and equality and connecting us. But Tinder's not redefining romance, progress is. Of course, this is the same progress that Vanity Fair called The Dating Apocalypse. Contrast that with redemptive entrepreneur and Praxis fellow Steve Ziedzik, the founder and CEO of Lasting. Steve came out of the knot, uh, which touches 80% of the marriages in the country, and said, we're really good at helping people get married, how about helping them stay married? He created an app that leaned on many, many, much, much history of how to, how to create flourishing marriages and created what became Apple's app of the day for Valentine's Day last year. Hundreds of thousands of downloads later, they see a 90%, 92% effectiveness rate in growing stronger relationships through couples using their app. That is cultural renewal. At the same time, we need to think closely about our operating model. It's not great just to have a, an interesting product or mission, but really, so much redemptive possibility lay purely inside the organization and how it operates. And here we believe that common practices can be reimagined too. We can think about grace filled workplace cultures, generous compensation for all in the organization, uh, developing people with a mind towards their whole person and sales and customer relationships that have justice and patience in them as we think about ownership and capital and partnerships see we're not supposed to use people for the benefit of the organization or even just merely respect them while they're on their own journeys but think about how the the workplace the business the business market can really bless people how great would it be if organizations that we lead people came out of them and said, I just can't imagine how much this organization blessed me while I was growing as an individual. Of course, that's not what we see mostly in the world either today. Uh, One famous extreme example is Theranos, um, as Elizabeth Holmes built a culture around lies and deceit and, and really trying to create as much for herself as possible around some product that had actually no existence. They lied to their manufacturers, their vendors, They created all sorts of systems of deception um, that ultimately did not bless anyone who worked there. In fact, it became a mark of shame if you had Theranos on your CV. Contrast this to uh, a mentor of ours in the Praxis community, Dr. Richard Park, who is the founder of CityMD, uh, the largest urgent care network in the Northeast um, with many, many locations in Manhattan. Richard Park set out with the vision that he wanted to create a culture of kindness. In fact, that would be the primary organizational cultural principle. If you talk to a doctor or a nurse at CityMD, and you ask them what their job was, it was to be kind. And of course, that kindness was was supposed to be aimed at neighbors. Um, In fact, uh, Doctor Park intentionally set up locations in, neighbors, in neighborhoods that would not be as profitable as some others, uh, knowing that there was a, an immediate need for great healthcare in those areas. That is uh, a beautiful way to bless people inside the organization and out of it. Of course, nothing uh, happens in, as far as redemptive strategy or redemptive operations without really thinking about what our intent is as leaders. If at the end of the day we're living for ourselves or even on sort of project self where we want to improve who we are as a person we haven't quite gotten where the gospel is asking us to really die to ourselves a lot of times this locates itself inside of our daily capacities and practices where as christian entrepreneurs faith-driven we should be rested um, thinking about our time as if the whole world doesn't depend on us. We should be generous with our money. We should be transformed by the renewal of our minds. We should be decision-making with the Lord next to us, submitted to him in our process. We should be sharing power with those around us. And ultimately, we need to be accountable in community, not just building uh, islands of power where we get to uh, control things and people don't really know who we are. This is all circling around the idea of ambition, of course, and really what we're setting out to do in the world. Of course, this too is a very, very challenging ground for entrepreneurs. Consider Adam Newman from WeWork, uh, almost a self-appointed Messiah who is going to bring a new world into being, a new way of, of thinking about work that no one had ever fathomed or imagined before, at least in his own mind. We saw how these things ultimately played themselves out in his own practices, the way he had, the imagination he had, the decision-making, the way he thought about his time and his money, uh, ultimately led WeWork as an organization to be an exploitative venture that destroyed so much around it and ultimately needed rescue without him being a part of that. Contrast that to uh, one of the speakers here at the Faith Driven uh, Entrepreneur event, Jewel Burks. Um, she's the founder of PartPick, which was acquired by Amazon. And uh, as she had that acquisition, she thought, what can I do for other people uh, around me? And she said, I really want to help people of color get more access to capital. And instead of just going out and creating uh, the, her next great win or her next great venture, she went out and said, I'm going to create the Collab Fund and think about how I can use the, the things that have been given to me, the great experiences that she's had and the breakthrough opportunities and, and share them with her brothers and sisters uh, around the world. And uh, that's just a, another beautiful story of, of Jewel, not saying I'm gonna live for myself or even improve myself, but really die to myself on this journey of redemptive leadership. So at the end of the day, redemptive work is hard work. Let's total, be honest. This is not a a simpler journey. Uh, It it would be nice if we could say, well, if we do all the right things, then things will go better for us, easier for us, we'll make more money. Um, But we can't always promise that. Uh, As we try to renew culture, there are systems that are pushing against us. As we try to bless people in the organization, uh, there's only so much to go around and we're gonna have to make difficult decisions. But ultimately, uh, I wanna encourage you to take on this challenge. Show the world that a faith-driven entrepreneur is a redemptive entrepreneur, someone who has a different vision, uh, a new sign that you can put up in the world. And there is opportunity there. One of my favorite psychologists, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi says this, that the unifying similarity among geniuses and innovators is not cognitive or effective, but motivational. What is common among them is the unwillingness or inability to strive for goals that everyone else accepts. I hope that as you walk away from this talk and this event, you'll be encouraged not to strive for the goals that everyone else accepts in entrepreneurship, another big company, even a unicorn, or your own great autonomy and independence, but instead that you would be a signpost for the kingdom out in a world that desperately needs A demonstration of faith. Thanks so much.
2: Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. We hope you enjoyed it. We are very grateful for the opportunity to serve you, the larger faith-driven entrepreneur community, and we want to stay connected. The best way for you to do that is to sign up for our monthly newsletter at faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. And while you're there, we want to hear from you. We derive great joy from interacting with many of you, And it's been very rewarding to see people come to the site and listen to the podcast now from more than over 100 countries. But it's even more important to us that you feel like this is your show and that you'll help make it something that best equips you on your entrepreneurial journey, one that you're proud of and one that you're going to share with others. Hey, this podcast wouldn't be possible without the help from many of our friends, executive producer Justin Foreman and program director Johnny Wills. Music is by Carl Kegwell. You can see and hear more of his work at summerdregs.com. Audio and editing by Richard Barley of Cornerstone Church in San Francisco.